Our series is from the book of Acts, chapter 14. Beth, would you hand me my reading glasses? This is a new addition to my life. <laughs> Everywhere I go. All right, yes, uh, we're starting a new series from the book of Acts, chapter 14. And we're calling it When Good Things Go Bad, as you will see. Um, there's an old script writing technique I wanted to tell you about. It's called the good news, bad news technique. It's particularly used in action scenes to keep the tension going where something good happens, oh, something bad happens. Something good happens, something bad happens. It's called the good news, bad news scene. Uh, to explain that a little better, let's just look at analysis of, a, of the key scene of the movie Die Hard, which was written this way. When I was researching Die Hard and I'd gone up to the top of the roof and I saw the fire hose, I said, wow, this could be really great. However, this movie magic sequence is one of the oldest writing tricks in the book. The old good news, bad news scene. The good news is I escaped. The bad news is I can't get into the window. The good news is I have a gun. The bad news is when I break through, the thing falls off and it's pulling me out. The good news is I'm smart enough to take it off. Our scripture passage this morning from Acts chapter 14 has a good news, bad news writing style in it, which is why I wanted you to see that. So in Acts chapter 14, Paul and Barnabas, two early leaders of the church, they have left from Antioch, which is a city close to Jerusalem, close enough, uh, and they've gone out to uh, islands and other coastlines to tell, they thought other Jewish people that the Messiah promised by God has come. What they found was not only the Jewish people accept it, but Greek speaking uh, uh, other people began to become followers of Jesus as well, which is super exciting. And so in Acts chapter 14, it starts off in verse one with this little bit of good news. The same thing happened in Iconium. Paul and Barnabas went to the Jewish synagogue and preached with such power that a great number of both Jews and Greeks became believers. That was the good news. Here was the bad news. Some of the Jews, however, spurned God's message and poisoned the minds of the Gentiles against Paul and Barnabas. But that's okay, there's good news. The apostles stayed there for a long time, preaching boldly about the grace of the Lord. And the Lord proved their message was true by giving them the power to do miraculous signs and wonders. But the bad news is the people in the town were divided in their opinion about them. Some sided with the Jews, some sided with the apostles. Then a mob of Gentiles and Jews, along with their leaders, decided to attack and stone them. But the good news is, when the apostles learned of it, they fled the region of Lyconia to the towns of Lystra and Derbe and the surrounding areas. And there, they preached the good news. Even when these guys are under threat of death, even when they're on the run, they're still preaching. And it's working. People are coming to faith. Churches are starting from guys who are got other people on their heels trying to kill them. This passage ends on a good news note, but there's a lot of ups and downs in there. It's like just in the first few verses of that chapter, like bouncing on a trampoline. Christian life is like that. Christian life is like that. Always has been. I mean, look at our own church congregation. Uh, next to... Uh, Jesus Christ saving my soul and Ashley saying yes when I proposed. The third best news I ever heard was that there was going to be this church in our town called Lakeland and it was going to focus on reaching people who were like I had been just five minutes ago, far from God, and like all of my friends still were. What great news. 
The bad news was when I showed up for the first service, it meant a daycare. And the daycare had a pet rabbit. And from the time they left daycare Friday till Sunday night when we had service, the rabbit was ripe, let's say. But the good news was only a few weeks after we got there, they were getting ready to move the church to a restaurant banquet hall. So no more rabbit poo. So that was good news. Bad news was the week before we had our first service, the restaurant shut down. But the good news was Pastor Dan was able to talk to the new owners and be like, hey, can we still come in and do this church thing even though you're not like in business? And they said, yes. So we did. And uh, 250 people came to that very first service. Bad news is it dwindled down to about 75 just by the end of the year. The good news was it didn't stay that way. It grew fairly steadily. We outgrew the banquet hall. We got to move over to a movie theater over there on Douglas. That was the good news. The bad news was do church in a movie theater. You have to get up at four, five in the morning, drag trailers and trucks up to the movie theater, build the stage and the lights and the sound and the children's ministries. And then you got to take all that out again before the movie starts at one o'clock. The good news was that after five years of doing that, we found a building this building. Bad news was a bunch of 20 and 30 year olds would need $2.4 million to get into this building. Uh, The uh, good news is we raised $2.4 million and bought the building. Bad news is when it came time to actually pony up and give the money, only about a million point two came in. The good news was that God provided and the church continued to grow like gangbusters through that time. Bad news is, I don't know where you live, but where I live, we had a global pandemic. And, uh, and that, that sucker punched uh, church. We still have some folks who are like, oh yeah, I'm gonna come back soon. The good news is since we've done Course in Current, off a lot, of, a lot of you are back. We're here worshiping, serving, and growing together. And here we are. There's a story with a lot of ups and downs. It's been like 25 years of bouncing on the trampoline. I'm willing to bet your own Christian life has been like this. Let's reflect on that a moment. What have been, you know, your high points, your answered prayers, your miracles, the times God has shown up in your Christian life for you? And conversely, I bet you've had some lows. I bet you've had some heartbreak and some hurts and some disappointments in your Christian life. I hear that prayer. It's true. It's true. Sometimes you face lows because you are a follower of Jesus. If Paul and Barnabas had just stayed put in Antioch, there would not be anybody trying to stone them to death. But because they went out and preached the good news and started churches, there's people threatening to kill them. We've probably not faced something like that, but there's been some lows. There's some lows because you follow Jesus. You might be a single person and you are waiting and waiting and painfully waiting for someone who will love you, but also love God genuinely and not be a faker. There are so many fakers out there. I remember one time a girl drove all the way from Springfield, Missouri to go on a first date with me. I was so flattered that anyone would do that. Not smart enough to realize that no one sane would have. Um, But... (laughs) So we went, on our first, we went on our first date and then she called me like three days later and she said, every year my family goes on a week-long cruise in the Caribbean and we get to bring uh, any friend we like and I would like to bring you. 
I'm like, oh no, Christians don't go on one date with somebody and then go on a, Medi- uh, a Caribbean cruise with them for a week. So I said, not only could I not do that, I, um, we wouldn't be going on a, another date. If I was a follower of Jesus, maybe I, I could have done that. I still don't think it's safe for anybody, but maybe people do that. I mean, she wasn't afraid to ask. I remember one time uh, my daughter, she was in junior high, meeting a new group of friends, got invited to an overnight by a family we didn't know. We said, well, we'd like to, we'd like to meet this family. So I couldn't go, but my wife went to the band concert and, and there was the other mom. So she worked through the crowd and she went up. And she said, hello, my, I'm, uh, I'm Aiden's mom, to which the, the other mom said, what do you want? Ashley didn't quite know where that came from, so she just, as she does, cheerfully plowed ahead. She said, well, uh, you know, you've invited our daughter over to spend the weekend. We just always like to meet people before our kid spends the weekend with them. I'm sure you do the same. She looked at my wife like she had three heads and said, no. Well, why are we doing that? Because we want to make sure, you know, like bad stuff's not going to happen at this house. But maybe at their house, they don't think of that stuff as bad stuff. They just think of it as teenager stuff. I don't know. Our daughter did not spend the night there. And she hated us. She hated us for like a year. We wouldn't have to face that low maybe if we didn't have these Jesus life we're trying to live. She got over it. We're okay now. So you face lows because you follow Jesus, but it's true that you, it's true that you also face highs. You, get, you receive high points that you, you can't receive otherwise, like the high point of making a real difference in someone else's life. I do a lot of funerals sometimes for extended family, and uh, I, I do get the impression that some people go to their grave never really knowing the joy of having made a real difference in someone else's life. Dan talked a few weeks ago about the, there was a rash here many years ago of everybody giving their cars away. I remember we used to have preaching about it. Like, why take your car to the dealership for a trade and get this pitiful little offer when you could give that to someone who is in need of it? And we all thought, yeah, let's do that. So I had a car. However, my car was a tragedy looking for a place to happen. And so I wasn't going <laughs> to give that to anybody. Well, uh, the school secretary where I worked, she said, I, I'm taking in one of the students from school because her home life is not good. And you said you're getting ready to get rid of your car. I said, oh, you, you don't want to give this car to this poor girl. It may only have months left in it. Absolutely not more than a year. She said, you know what? It's free. She'll be grateful to get something going. I said, okay. So I signed it over. I never even met the girl. Twelve years later, I got a letter here at the church office and opened it up and it said, we never met before, but I just happened to know your name and I I looked you up and I just wanted to say that 12 years ago, you gave me a car and I was having to leave my home because it was not a safe place and, but I didn't have a car and then you gave me your car and so I got a job and then I also took that car and I started going to counseling appointments and I began to heal from 17 years of neglect and abuse and, and, Then I went to college. I want you to know that that uh, car lasted five years, and that's when I knew it was a miracle. (laughs) She said, I want you to know that that car lasted five years. And she said, I was just reflecting today on where I am in life. I have a wonderful career. I have kids, a, a husband. We all go to church. And I was praying, and I just got the feeling that it probably all started with that car. So I wanted to thank you. I wasn't trying to do anything that spectacular. I thought I was doing something bad, kind (laughs) of, but uh, God took that and he made a miracle out of it. Uh, Being able to be free from hurts 
and free from sin. I, I know that a lot of people go to their grave uh, never being free of their sin, still bitter and angry from hurts. But Jesus can heal those things, and that's a higher high than you will ever know. And don't ever forget the high of eternal life. That is the final high to beat all highs. Uh, I was uh, doing a funeral for a young man who had died far too early, and uh, I knew his parents, and so I was doing his funeral. And in the middle of the pre-funeral goings-on, the funeral director said, Pastor, could you join me in my office for a moment? So I went back to the funeral director's office, and she sat down at her desk. She said, I just wanted to thank you for being a pastor. I wanted to thank you for your church that's taking care of these people. She said, I see a lot of people through here who are in the place where they are. And you can always tell the ones that have a church family. They don't have the same confusion. They don't have the same hurt. They don't have the same anger. They know where their loved one is. They know they'll see them again. They know what's to come. It gives a peace that is just really refreshing to see. Eternal life isn't just something to look forward to. It changes the way we accept the lows of our life right now. And that's a higher high than we can measure. So it's true. It's true. We don't have the persecution that they had in this passage in Acts chapter 14. No one's ever threatened to stone me to death for anything I've ever said. Is that true? Yeah, no one's ever threatened to stone me to death for anything I've ever said up here. But, you know, the truth is that is no one's, a blind person's ever been able to see because of anything I ever said up here either. Uh, no one lame has ever been able to walk under any sermon I have ever given either. I wonder sometimes if that's not because we're settling for something just a little safer. Maybe we're not going deep enough in inviting God in. One Bible commentator says, I wonder if churches become uh, morals without uh, martyrs and also without miracles. Morals without martyrs, but also without miracles. Maybe we need to invite God deeper in you know, onto this trampoline where we're just content to kind of bounce like this and hope it doesn't go too badly. I mean, maybe if we invited him in, sure, the lows would be lower, but maybe the highs would be higher and the miracles that we read about and hear about, um, we could be a part of. You know, the things going on in Harmons, those are, those are miracles we could be a part of, but they come with big risks. I bet these people have given up some stuff to do what they're doing. Well, maybe what we need from God on this trampoline of life is the double bounce, you know what the double bounce is? That's where you're bouncing on trampoline and you get one or two other people and they step in it with you in the low point. Now what's that do? It makes the low go real low. If you invite the weight of God in, the spring back will spring you to heights that are humanly otherwise impossible. Maybe we should risk more. Maybe we should risk more with God. Now, I have to tell you all this week, it has been so tempting for me to try to give examples of like, what do you mean invite God in for the double bounce? What do you mean risk more for higher highs? And uh, continually the Holy Spirit has told me, don't give examples because you already know what he's talking about. Because he's already been talking to you. I mean, I already know what he's been talking to me about and it's real scary, but it presents the opportunity for some great highs, so... I guess if I know, maybe you know too. 
what it is where you've been avoiding God, what it is where you've been afraid to take a step, what it is because you know the low you may be inviting. You know what the high may be, but you wonder if it's worth the low. Whatever this is, the Holy Spirit says you know what it is. And so let's pray for one another. Let's pray to encourage one another now as we close this morning, uh, Acts chapter 14, part one. Um, let's pray. Father, we come this morning uh, knowing your spirit has spoken to us, knowing that you have beckoned us, you have called us, uh, and we have held back. We have been afraid, rightly so. Father, this morning we pray for courage. If we invite you in, that you will, you will spring us to new heights. We will see miracles. We will have the spiritual life that, that we asked you for when you saved us. Your promises are waiting to be kept, Lord. You're just waiting for us to receive them. And so now, Lord, give us the courage. We know we have your promise to walk through us, through, with us through that low. Lord, we are ready to receive that high. We, pro we profess that and ask that you help us to hang on to that. In the name of Christ Jesus, amen.